The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to BGN Radio. Why would you listen to any other Eagles <laughs> podcast with John Stolmas and Brandon Lee Gowell? Welcome into BGN Radio. This is episode 75, brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm filling in for John Stolness. I am your host today, Michael Kist. Here, joined with me, as always, to talk about all these training camp practices, is the man with the boots on the ground, the supreme leader of Bleeding Green Nation. He is Brandon Lee Gowton. Follow him on Twitter at Brandon Gowton, BLG. How you doing, brother? Mike, glad to be back with you here. You know, it's been two preseason games. It's been 17, 18 something training camp practices. <laughs> but today, Mike, it finally turned up a little bit. It got a little bit more interesting than it usually does at camp uh, at this point because, like, you've already seen the Eagles practice each other for a billion times by now. But the Ravens came to town on Monday, and it's exciting. Yeah, there's a lot of new faces, I feel like, or, or old faces you recognize that you see that kind of come out to these things. Like Trent Cole was at practice today. Seth Joyner was there. Mike Quake. Um, Lurie came out to the field. Like a bunch of, you know, there's a, a presence, obviously, uh, extra presence with all the guys in town, uh, the Ravens. So that's cool to see. You get some more national media there. Shilkapadia, friend of the podcast, Mr. National NFL guy now. Uh, he was there. So it's fun. Yeah. And those reps today, like they might be the closest that the first team gets to real action throughout this process before the season starts. And it's against some you know unique challenges. The Ravens defense with these joint practices today is one of the best in the league. They ranked third in football outsiders DVOA last year. So it's a good challenge. And also in the offensive side of the ball for the Ravens Lamar Jackson he you know he's entering his second year in an offense that will be more catered to his strengths which includes his dynamic you know movement ability so they're in pads not tackling to the ground today but like the first of two practices between the two and I'll leave this pretty open for you like what what was the feel compared to like a 10 10 10 practice as as opposed to what we saw today yeah so a 10 10 10 practice which is what the Eagles had on Sunday originally they weren't even scheduled to have a practice open to the media but uh the Eagles let us watch that because it didn't really make sense to cut that day off and then have Monday and Tuesday open. So that mm. kind of practice is boring <laughs> because it's usually they're shorter, just a little bit over an hour. The the 10, 10, 10 part is like 10 plays are for the offense, like kind of on a script with the defense giving them certain looks that they want to see, not necessarily things that defense would actually run in like a real game or mm. things that like Jim Schwartz actually really wants to do, just kind of more about like giving a look. Uh, and then it flips around, you know, for the defense the offense doing some stuff they might not usually do. 
And then 10 minutes of special teams is that final 10. So that kind of practice is boring. And it's also kind of hard when you uh, do training camp notes like I do, because, you know, you, you don't always know what like is forced or not. Like I saw Carson kind of like force a throw on Sunday that like it wasn't there at all, but he made that throw anyway. And I kind of wonder, okay, maybe that's just what he's supposed to do in that situation. There are some things you can see still. In case in point, Carson was making some real nice touch throws to some of his receivers around the field. So, you know, that's good to see. It's not like the defense is supposed to give those up. You know, like he's still making a good throw. You can tell that. But that kind of practice environment still is just not super exciting. Contrast that to the Ravens coming in to town and all of a sudden now, you know, like you have the first team offense, the Eagles offense going up against the first team Ravens defense and the Ravens were making it challenging for the Eagles early on. Uh, and same thing on the other of the field, really with the Eagles defense kind of giving the Ravens offense some trouble. Maybe that was also part of the offenses on both sides, not looking like sharp and not like functioning at the highest level and the defense kind of just being ahead of them made that look even worse for the offenses to start out. Um, but yeah, there's so many things to watch. And then in addition to that too, um, especially in some of the seven on seven work, then you also have the, the, you know, the offensive line and defensive line drills going on, which I couldn't honestly, like I couldn't even get over there because I can't like, there was three different fields and I can't see, I know I'm really tall, Mike, but I can't see everything always all at once. So, yeah. uh, a lot of good action, though. Yeah, and we'll get into more of those notes about the the training camp there. But I do want to lead off the individual analysis, as we usually do with the quarterbacks. And BLG, you recently recorded the Josh McCown emergency podcast, heavily requested by the gentle listeners here at BGN. Uh, that dropped on Saturday after the news broke. So, gentle listener, if you haven't heard that yet, go back and give some attention from your earballs to that show. Uh, some notes on McCown. I went back and looked at a couple of games of his from 2013. And he and Alshon Jeffrey, when they were with the Bears together, they just had a connection, man. He really trusted Alshon to go up and use his wingspan, his catch radius, and go up and get it. And Alshon did not let him down. One game I watched was against the Vikings where Alshon had 12 catches for 249 yards and two touchdowns. Then followed up against the Cowboys where he went up against current Eagle Orlando Skandrick. Five catches for 84 yards and a touchdown in that one in a 45-28 to win where McCown threw for four touchdowns and 348 yards. So that was an incredibly fun watch. And look, McCown, the one veteran name that I did mention when I talked about bringing in another quarterback after Sudfeld went down. And apparently the Eagles had interest in him before that too. And I think he's going to be a fantastic locker room guy. Can really help Wentz as an 18-year vet. That all of his old teammates, and I mean all of them, literally every single one of them just absolutely love the guy. So as much as we joke and are hyperbolic in our approach to the news here, and, and look, at 40 years old, McCown might not have a ton left in the tank. I think all of us recognize this, but I put this up on Twitter today and I thought it was interesting because I was, I was curious to look at this. The last time McCown had significant playing time was 2017. He started 13 games. I compared the box score stats and some PFF analytics between him and Dak Prescott from 2017. And BLG, let me tell you, if I took the names out and you didn't know the stats offhand, you would be really hard pressed to figure out which quarterback was which. And this goes into my argument that for all the box score stat tweets that you know shed a favorable light on Dak, they're all propped up by one year back in 2016, three seasons ago. And anytime I mention that Cowboys, you know, the, the Cowboys fans will groan about context and injuries and suspensions and all that. But honestly, try to make that same supporting cast argument with the 2017 Jets, because that doesn't hold much water in my eyes. That, that was a whole side tangent, BLG. Any follow-up from you on your thoughts on McCown and how did he look uh, today as a new Eagle? Well, first of all, Mike, I'm going to need you to tweet that 
out. Those, well, you just said those stats. You need to you need to do that thing people do on Twitter where they're like, player A, these stats, and then player B, these stats. I, I did, BLG. It's on my timeline right now. It. I've got the comparisons up there, so you need to check that out because I I didn't even know it was going to be like that. I came into this completely blind, and I was like, whoa. If you didn't know, there would, there would be no way for you to know. That's It's crazy. Well, I love that. Uh, so you're, <laughs> you're, you get a raise, Mike. Uh, this is how it works here. You just you know say things that I like, and I just reward you for it. You don't actually get a raise. Oh, that's just oh. a disclaimer. Anyway, sorry. Um, yep. <laughs> with McCown, you know, I said it a lot and pretty much what I had to say in the podcast for the most part. Um, I will emphasize again, like the fumble thing concerns me a little bit. He has like yeah. what, like 88 and 99 career games or, or like 81. Like it's a lot. Yeah. And he had a bunch. I think he had 11 and as recently as 2017 in that season he did start. So that's kind of an issue. Uh, we, we know Carson has those same kind of issues. So that's not amazing. But, you know, he's a backup. You get it. I, I really did like like going back looking at his Jets highlights, I think more so too from 2017. Yeah. And I, I just like the way he throws the ball. Like I, there's something about it. Like he just like, especially when he's like chucking it deep. And I was talking to um, Michael Nania from Gang Green Nation, our SB Nation Jets site. And he was saying like, that was a real strength of his that year. Like just chucking it deep. Like he was just like no fear, throwing it down the field, almost very Nate Sudfeldian of yeah. him to just like, all right, single high, boom, just chucking it down the field. <laughs> so uh, I like to see that. But he hasn't really taken a ton of reps in practice so far. Obviously, Omi signed on Saturday. Sunday was his first practice, and it was a shortened practice. He only really took some reps in seven on seven, I believe. He got a little bit more mixed in today, and he did some 11 on 11 work. You know, this is a guy who is just coming in still. He's learning the system. Obviously, he has NFL experience, so it's a shorter learning curve for him than others. But, you know, he still needs to kind of get some reps in here. And really, Doug Peterson didn't even, like, fully commit to him playing on Thursday night in the preseason Hmm. game. I think I would guess we will see him. But, uh, you know, he's still learning, is my point. Yeah, I could see them setting up a script for him and, you know, one or two drives. And this is what you need to know right now. But this is a conversation that we were having. Having when the Eagles were maybe needing to bring in a quarterback, we were saying who is going to come in here and learn this offense so quickly that they can be an effective backup for the time period in which we might need them, which is early on in the season. McCown gives you that as an 18-year vet. McCown could be probably, if Kellen Moore is an offensive coordinator, I really think McCown could be an offensive coordinator. So I have no uh, issues with him being able to pick that up. He's going to need the mental reps first and then follow it up with some game time. But I don't think the knowledge of the system will be a problem ultimately for him. So maybe he does get some playing time on Thursday. We'll see. But BLG, you know, I got to follow up with Wentz here. How'd the franchise quarterback perform over the past couple of days and especially against the vaunted Ravens defense in joint practices today? Definitely looked good on Sunday. I really liked specifically like these touch throws he was making. You know, that's something we've seen Carson kind of struggle with. Not like he can't make them at all, but just being inconsistent with that. And on Sunday, he had a nice touch pass to Josh Adams, who made an over the shoulder catch along the sideline. He had another one deep to Mac Hollins, who dropped it, unfortunately. He had another one throw to Aguilar and also one to Deshaun, who also dropped it, which is a very rare sight to see Deshaun drop a pass. But still, like Carson looked good on Sunday. And then today, he got off to not a great start, you know, working in the red zone. He was going for Alshon a lot, and it just, like, it wasn't clicking. Uh, some of those, I feel like Alshon could have done a better job. Like, these were contested catches. And to his credit, Marlon Humphrey on the Ravens, you know, former was he your former first round pick? First round pick. Yeah, he's he's a very good corner, very underrated outside of Baltimore, I think. Yeah, so he was making some plays, like credit to him too. He's a good player. But Carson did have some highlights as the practice started to go along. Throw of the day, the play of the day, I think for really both teams, and I was watching everything as much as I could, and I don't think I'm just being biased here, was 
Carson hitting Alshon Jeffrey deep, which is nice to see. So that's something, again, that they haven't always been clicking on. And Earl Thomas, sure enough, a name you might recognize, Eagles fans. Um, I don't know how, but for some reason, <laughs> that guy who, whose name rings a bell, uh, the Eagles, uh, or Carson completed a deep pass to Jeffrey with Thomas kind of getting beat there. So that was really nice to see. Um, Carson, too, was looking a little bit better in the red zone drills by the end of practice where he connected with the aforementioned Matt Collins, who looked better today, actually made a couple contested catches, also broke out the floss a little bit for the fans. Like he wanted to celebrate a little bit. So nice, uh, nice to see Matt kind of feeling himself there and, and looking you know healthy again and being back in the swing of things. So overall, if I had to grade the practice to kind of give you some perspective, I would say, and especially the past two days, I would say we're at like a B plus, more good than bad again. But uh, some things you still want to see cleaned up, like he did overthrow, I think, both Deshaun and all Sean on deep routes at different points. And that's just another thing like where like you just want to see the timing get there and the accuracy be there. Um, I think one thing that Carson was doing well on Sunday with those touch passes I talked about was like floating them up there to where his like his receivers can run under them and make the mm. play as opposed to, you know, like trying to force it, like just force it, force it down the field. So that's something I still think like can be afforded to be cleaned up going into the season. I like that. And I like that Mac is breaking at the floss. Like that's the moment. That's the moment when we know he's back when he hits the floss. So it's good to have Mac back. And, you know, let's talk about some of the other playmakers, maybe under the umbrella of Clayton Thorson, who apparently had a had a better is starting to look like he might eventually one day like be Manning. an NFL quarterback or like Peyton Manning. Yeah. Yeah. Clayton's looked a lot better, man. You know, we were really hard on him. Uh, not no. me, obviously, just everyone else. Uh, <laughs> but seriously, though, like, you know, he so it's it's bizarre to me because, you know, he has that bad preseason game. He didn't really even look that great going into the second preseason game. Honestly, he barely practiced. He barely got any practice reps, which is interesting because then he took pretty much almost the entirety of of the second preseason game reps. And then he, he comes back on Sunday in the Eagles 10-10 practice, and he makes like his best throw I've seen of all training camp or all offseason, even going back to the spring practices, where he just hits uh, DeAndre Tompkins in stride on a deep bomb down the sideline. And Thorson has struggled a lot with like those wobbly passes on some mm. of his deep attempts, um, even some not deep attempts, just like really throwing a wobbly ball. It does not look pretty at all. This was like a perfect crisp spiral i was like oh my gosh like who is this like who is this guy <laughs> so to see that was nice and then today in the red zone i thought he really excelled he had two throws back-to-back plays one was a fade route to your boy mike jj arcega whiteside mm-hmm. made a nice catch but also the throw was just like perfect he put it right up where jj can kind of make that jump ball catch and the defender really can't and he had another one to mark and michelle where michelle was like just diving out of bounds i'm pretty sure he got his feet in so that looked like a good throw too you know only which where michelle could get it you know it couldn't have been picked off or anything so to see that from clayton thorson for him to like make that progress it seems like he's kind of building on he's like stacking these practices now after that encouraging second preseason game which is funny to me mike because i still i still don't think he makes the team right <laughs> like, i don't i don't think the Eagles are keeping four quarterbacks so it's kind of it's nice to see him look good like that's ideal but also like you know you don't almost want him to look too good because then yeah. you know you don't want him to get poached so Kind of a weird situation. Yeah, but I do think it's good that he's looking better and he's throwing more catchable balls because this is something that me and Solak were talking about. Like, JJ is really good in the air. 
and he's not getting the opportunities to like show off that skill set when guys are just like straight up missing him. So at least we'll be able to evaluate the wide receivers a little bit better in some of these preseason games if he's a little more accurate with his balls. So that's one plus that you can take out of it. I, I don't think he gets stolen off a practice squad or anything like that. So I think the Eagles will be safe putting him there at this point with McCown in the building. Sudfeld's going to recover. Kessler's there. What's the difference between Kessler and Thorson? I don't know, but it is something to track as we move throughout this process. Didn't get himself knocked out of the game by not throwing the ball. That's right. That blitz pickup that was entirely on Kessler. I'm not saying that jokingly either. I think we've talked about that here on the on this show here. A lot of people blame that on Dillard, but players, former NFL players, current players, and Doug have all said that that was not Andre Dillard's fault. He picked up the right guy. Kessler was hot. He had to know it. He had to get it out. He did not, and he got cracked for it, and it might cost him a roster spot when you think about it, but let's, let's switch side over to the defensive side for the Eagles. The Ravens offense had some struggles in the red zone, three straight red zone trips, where they were denied by the Eagles defense. If there's one thing that this Schwartz defense does, it is clamped down inside the 20. Last year, playoffs included, they were number one in the league for touchdown frequency for offenses they were facing, which is shocking considering the injuries on that unit that they dealt with throughout the year. Who was out there making plays for the defense today, BLG? Um, so the defensive line, I think, deserves a lot of credit here. Every time I feel like I would look over on a Ravens rushing attempt, like, that was just going nowhere. That was getting like stuffed. And that's significant too. Like the Ravens like to run the ball. They pride themselves on that. So that was nice to see the defensive line being stout there in the red zone. I did see Rizul give up a touchdown on a slant to, uh, I think, Willie Sneed. I did see Sidney Jones, who I feel like hasn't, you know, been as great like as he was early on in training camp, like the, the past two preseason games. And even in practice recently, he just like hasn't been, it's not nice. like he's been necessarily terrible. Oh, he, and he did have a bad practice last week. I know it's hard to believe, Mike, but uh, he was better today. So that was nice to see. Like He bounced back. He he had two pass breakups. One was in the red zone. So that was good to see. Um, really, as a whole, uh, I just think the defense like looked pretty solid. They did have one busted coverage um, that I saw where there was just like a Ravens receiver running down free, and Lamar uh, just hit him. With, that was with the starters, too. So that wasn't great. There was another play where – Lamar just made a really nice throw, really threaded it into the defense. So um, buying some Lamar Jackson stock, I, I would say, like, not the craziest idea. He looked good today. He had some good moments um, where, you know, it wasn't just like the defense looking bad for the Eagles. It was just like him making some nice plays, uh, not only as a passer, but his athleticism as well. Overall, though, I still think the Eagles defense and really the Ravens defense, like the defenses today as a whole, I think they probably won the day. Like They had more good reps than the offenses did. We'll see if that's the same case tomorrow. Maybe offense start to figure things out a little bit after seeing these guys. Yeah, and I want to recalibrate some of your thoughts on some of the positional battles for the Eagles defense and get some injury updates for you as well. I'm sure we have a ton of those to get to. We're going to get to those next here on BGN Radio right after the break. We'll be right back. And we are back here on BGN Radio, episode 75, brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. Michael Kist here with Brandon Lee Gowton talking about the joint practice and the practice from Sunday as well from the Eagles, getting you all updated. BLG, I ask you, I always ask you before the show, just like get all your injury notes together, put them in one spot, put them in a backpack, do whatever you need to do. I think it's Rick and Morty now, but give me some updates on the the injuries to, let's say, Brandon Brooks, Ronald Darby. You, you've already mentioned Matt Collins, maybe some Derek Barnett, Nigel Bradham. Richard Rogers had an issue today. Just give me the full rundown like you're dug at the podium. And I'll also note that there seemed to be a lack of water and or proper hydration today, maybe some heat exhaustion. What what happened today with the injuries? Just take a break for like 30 minutes, Mike, as I, I read through all of these <laughs> uh, meticulous injury notes that I have here. Yeah, it's a long it's a well, it's a decent sized list. I'll start off with Brandon Brooks was supposed to potentially be reintegrated to team drills this week. 
I guess he got checked out and wasn't fully cleared for that just yet. Okay. Um, so, so he's not doing that just yet, but I think he is starting to do more kind of like one-on-one and individual work. So he is ramping up a little bit here. And I think this week here will kind of be key for him in terms of at some point he's going to get evaluated again, and it's going to mm. be determined if he can re- re- rejoin those team drills. So maybe we'll be seeing that either like later soon or maybe next week. I don't know. Hopefully he's back sooner than later. Brandon Brooks still thinks he's going to be ready for week one. Crazy. The more, well, the more it takes him to get back into the team drills though, you know, the less optimistic that's looking. I still think it'll be, you know, like early, it could be week two or week three, but we'll see how that one goes. Uh, Ronald Darby is the other significant one. I would say with him really returning to 11 on 11 for the first time on Sunday. And he was out there again doing some 11 on 11, not like full time. Yeah. I don't think he's out there for every single defensive First team, 11 on 11, but he is mixing in there. He is getting reps there. So that's probably looking good for him playing week one. And as far as who's been opposite of him, it seems like they're splitting with Razul and Sydney on the outside. So it doesn't seem like they've you know landed on a starter there. And maybe that's something we see even in regular season with them, kind of like we've talked about before, Mike, with like rotating guys. And you have Maddox in the slot. So he's there. Uh, Josh Sweat had a knee issue, which is not great. Uh, he missed practice on Sunday. He was back today which is good, but, you know, like anytime, you know, you see Josh Sweat with like a knee thing, it's like, <laughs> that's a little dicey, you know, because we yeah. know he has those knee issues in the past. So hopefully it's just like a blip on the radar and it's not anything too bad. Nigel Bradham, seven on seven for the first time this offseason on Sunday. So that's good to see. He's kind of working his way back in there. I'm guessing he'll be ready for week one. We'll see how that goes as well. Richard Rodgers is the big one from today in terms of like he had to be carted off the field after previously missing a couple of weeks with a foot injury. That's not looking good for him, I would mm-hmm. say, Mike. Like, that's not a great development for him. It seems like he was pretty frustrated too, and and uh, like, I was saw that Tim McManus said like Doug gave him a hug. He was getting carted, so that doesn't uh, seem like the best sign. Hugs are bad in that situation. Yeah, hugs are bad. Um, well, they're good, but you know they're bad. Uh, <laughs> bad sign. It's a good thing. It's a bad sign. Yeah, it's weird too because like Rogers had never been hurt prior to last year in terms of like he had never missed a game, but it seems like you know he joins the Eagles and all of a sudden like he's this injury prone guy. So that sucks for him. That could be really good news for Josh Perkins potentially making the roster. Hassan Ridgeway returned to practice, so that's good for him. Nice. Uh, I should note that Cody Kessler was practicing again today. The Eagles PR team said that he's not fully officially cleared through the yeah. concussion protocol just yet. Like so, he can do certain things, but he can't do like contact things right now. I think what yes. in the stage that he's in. Yes, yeah. So like, if there was a game today, he couldn't play. So I guess he might be cleared by Thursday, but we'll see. Mm. Um, Nate Sudfeld apparently had his cast off today. He got out of his hard cast, so that's some nice progress for him as he tries to come back and probably be the third quarterback with Josh McCown being the number two. <laughs> That's just about it as far okay. as I have on the injury front. I have a, I have a follow-up question for you and, and some news with the Eagles as well. We'll just do some like regular house cleaning, and then I want a projection from you because I want to see the 53-man projection for linebacker. According to PFF, one of the top five graded players for the Eagles in preseason has been CFL stud Alex Singleton, ranking second only behind Deshaun Hall, who has had a massively productive preseason. So you got to think it's Bradham, Brown, Camus, Fort, and that fifth spot 
is the one up for grabs. Both me and Ben think the Nate Gary experiment should be over. Keyword should be over. The Eagles also released veteran linebacker Paul Worlow recently, which creates an opportunity for both Singleton and undrafted free agent TJ Edwards from Wisconsin. As a side note, the Eagles also signed linebacker Chris Worley. He went undrafted in 2018 despite getting significant playing time at all three linebacker spots at Ohio State. For the Bengals, he played in two games with only two combined tackles. He was cut in late July. Then he was picked up by the Seahawks briefly, subsequently cut a few days later. From my understanding, he's a super high character guy that lacks the athleticism to crack a rotation or even uh, a roster spot outside of like a special teams player. So he's almost assuredly just a camp body. BLG, is five the right number to keep on the 53 for linebackers? And if so, who is the fifth linebacker if you had to call it right now? I will leave you in suspense, Mike, as I finish up (laughs) one more injury thing. I just wanted to say that... uh, Andre Dillard, notably, you know, left practice early today. It seemed to be, to me, by my eye, and I'm not I'm no medical expert here, but it seemed like heat exhaustion just didn't seem like he was feeling great. Same thing with Nate Erbig, who was really gassed in that preseason game. Ross Tucker yeah. was kind of like highlighting that on the broadcast. Uh, so just another small thing. And also Charles Johnson day-to-day with an ankle. Um, but to answer your linebacker <laughs> That's question. such an Eagles thing to happen during this show right there. It, it really is. I think, I think it's pretty cut and dry in terms of the five they're going to keep. I think it's going to be Nigel Bradham. If he was healthy, you know, Kamu Gruje Hill would be starting. But And I don't think he's going to go on IR. So they'll put right. him on the 53, but obviously he might not be back to like, uh, I don't know, week four or whatever. Yeah, he won't be on the active 46 for, for a game day for, for at least the cup first couple of weeks. So those are the, your two starters when they're healthy. LJ Fort, uh, well, I would put Zach Brown above LJ Fort. Zach mm-hmm. Brown's making this team. Uh, I think I'm pretty sure LJ Fort is going to make this team. Seems like a pretty obvious candidate just in terms of he has some experience. They can count on him in special teams. Yeah. And I think your fifth guy, well, depending how you want to order it, I think Nate Gary is going to make the team, Ugh. much to the chagrin of many. <laughs> I just think the coaching staff, like they, they really talk him up and he's also gotten like a ton of first team reps. So it would just kind of be surprising if he just got like cast aside all of a sudden. I don't think Gary should be kept around. Like I'm not a Gary fan by any means, but just in terms of like looking at what's realistic, I think he will be on the roster. And then when you're talking about like a TJ Edwards or a Singleton, I think either of those guys, I think at least one of those guys will be on the practice squad. I don't think you really have to worry about them clearing waivers. I don't think teams are like desperately trying to get those guys Mm. Could be wrong. I just, I think we tend to always think like, oh man, this guy's looking good. He's definitely (laughs) going to get claimed. And then like, it usually doesn't happen. People were saying that about like Braxton Miller last year when he got added to the practice squad. NBC Sports Philadelphia wrote like an article about like, oh man, like, you know, some team's going to sign him soon. And then Braxton Miller just got cut. When yeah. the Eagles signed Josh McCown. You get into a like a local Philadelphia training camp bubble, right? Yes. And it's hard for you to see what's going on around the league and see, well, who would pick them up and why? And, and that's the big question. Yeah, and, and look, like when you're these guys are getting claimed, like they have to be on the fifty three. So someone right. else is fifty. So you're putting that guy like and he might need to play potentially if you're putting him on the fifty three and he mm-hmm. doesn't know the playbook. So like it's just that that usually doesn't happen. It might happen yeah. sometimes. It definitely does happen sometimes. You lose like a Danny Amendola or a Greg Salas or whoever. Renate Sudfeld. But, yeah, or Renate Sudfeld, whatever. But like, you know, a lot of the times uh, it just doesn't. 
So yeah. I wouldn't worry about that too much. I think those are your five linebackers. I think that's who the Eagles are going to roll. Let me ask the same question about running backs, and you, you can kind of add any notes from the practices about them in here if you want to. But you got to think that if the Eagles go for running backs, and I and I think that's the number, I think they will that the fourth will have to add special teams value. And I'm not talking about just as a returner, but like on the other units as well, the punt, you know, the punt coverage units and all that stuff. And the most proven out of the rest on special teams has got to be Corey Clement. In fact, I thought he was one of the best special teamers on the squad in 2017 and still played well in that area in 2018, despite his struggles. And compared to a guy like Wendell Smallwood, who is awful in that regard and not special otherwise, that's a huge edge for Clement, in my opinion. What about you? Yeah, Corey. Corey's getting like first team reps. He was today. Uh, he was in the red zone on Sunday. Mm. Like I, and also this is a very important thing. Everyone, Mike, yourself included, like make sure you really listen to what I'm about to say. All right. So during Sunday's practice, why are you laughing, Mike? It's not. It's this is funny. It's super serious. Right <laughs> okay. Here. Right. So it's pretty, so yeah, training camp is it's super serious. So Add a sound effect into this bit right here, and then, just to emphasize, you don't have to. I'm saying <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the Rick and Morty from the Vindicators episode. Oh, it's so serious. Corey was doing like this choreographed handshake with Doug Peterson during Ooh. practice on Sunday. I mean, I'm just saying, like, I don't think they're working on that if, like, Corey's just, like, easily going to get cut. So, yeah. I don't I, I don't think that's – and, again, I've said, like, a billion times that I know for a fact that the Eagles were high on Corey heading into 2018. So, it would just be weird to me, like, all of a sudden he's going to get replaced. I know he hasn't been playing, and maybe some of that is the Eagles, like, knowing he's going to make the team anyway, and they're just going to be extra cautious with him. But I think we might see him play this week. Like, he's really – seems like he's kind of ramping up his workload in practice. It would be great to see him out there for a little bit and see what he can do. He looks healthy. He looks fast. I've said, like, multiple times before, he looks faster than I remember. So, maybe that's something kind of he's been working on. Maybe he lost a little bit of weight or, or whatever. Like, he just looks a little bit more faster than I remember him being. So, uh, yeah, I think – Corey is going to be on this team as your fourth running back. And you need to keep four running backs again mm -hmm. because Darren Sproles, 36 years old, nine games in the past two years. Like you can't just go three and he's one of your three. And also Miles Sanders is like a rookie. You know, what if he just has rookie struggles? Like you can't just like put all this pressure on him. The, the thing that concerns me, Mike, is I'm looking here, the screenshot I took of like this question and answer session on reddit eagles from dave spadero who i know a lot of people are like oh dave spadero just says everything positive he doesn't know anything blah blah that's not true like dave knows things and sometimes he like drops hints at things when he mm. knows things so that's what kind of makes me concerned when i see him say and this oh. is a quote here i think i already, I already know where you're going with this no is interesting to watch wendell smallwood for example has been really really good and I think he may very well make the team when most think he won't. I don't think Spuds is saying that and it's like, oh, he's just clueless. Yeah. And by the way, I totally disagree with him in terms of Smallwood has looked good. He looks exactly like you would expect from Wendell Smallwood. Like, <laughs> like no more, no less. Just yeah. exactly what you would expect. Like perfectly whatever. Perfectly replacement level player. Just a guy. So that's concerning to me, Mike. I feel like they're going to keep five. And I would hate that very much, especially because it's just like this team has so much talent on the roster. Like you don't need to be keeping five running backs and you don't need to be keeping Wendell Smallwood. Who's going to be a free agent after this year? I hope it doesn't happen, Mike. You could claim a Wendell Smallwood at any point in the season from literally anywhere. That, I think that's my big issue with it. He is the like the definition of a replacement level backup. So why keep him specifically around? Like how much does Deuce like this guy? That's. 
that's that's what's wild to me. So we'll see how that plays out uh, regarding the Clement thing, man. Like I was already thinking of the episode title, like hugs are bad, handshakes are good, because I think that handshake, that special handshake, that's a sacred bond that you create right there. I agree with you. That's super serious. So that's something to keep an eye on as well. BLG, any other notes from the practice today before we uh, before we kick rocks? Uh, Ronald Darby did force a fumble during team drill, so that was good to see. Nice. Uh, also. Saw Nelson Aguilar get the ball punched out to force an incompletion by, again, Humphrey. So that mm. Humphrey guy, not too bad. I think that just about does it for the most part from what I see here. I would say if you're really looking for a deep dive of a note here, Matt Pryor, who I feel like kind of has having a horrible summer, but, yeah. but might make the team anyway. Uh, notably on the first team field goal protect unit, maybe that's something. Like maybe that's a sign that he is in good standing. It is going to be interesting to see here. You know, we're, we're getting into the, the heat of things in terms of like, okay, this is your third preseason game. Like This is one of your last chances to really impress and kind of if you're one of those guys fighting for one of those last roster spots, really like make your case. I, I think Matt Collins is going to make this team in that regard. You know, there's been kind of talk that he won't because you're, you're seeing Greg Ward and Mark and Michelle make some plays. But, you know, with Max starting to come on a little bit in practice and him having a reputation for being a good special teams player. And he did look good on special teams, by the way, in the uh, – the Jaguars game he had two great reps I felt like on the punt coverage unit where like he got down and he affected the returner immediately and that's important like for as much as you might like like Mark and Michelle and I like Mark and Michelle and I like Greg Ward but those are guys I know you can get on the practice squad or at least I'm pretty sure you can and those are guys who aren't going to contribute the way Mac Hollins is in terms of special teams like those guys are only going to play really on special teams so that's kind of what matters for those bottom roster spots so that's just something to keep in mind one last injury note I guess I'll touch on is that I did see Strap at practice today he was wearing a boot still on his right foot what about hey what about Jalen Mills that that makes me think like where where is he in all this I still think he's going to be on pup uh, to begin the regular season, which okay. means he would miss at least the first six games, and then he would be eligible to return week seven at the very Jeez. soonest. It doesn't mean he would be back by then. And I think that I was thinking about this too, Mike, because I saw him at practice, I guess, on Sunday, and I was thinking like it's a tough spot for Jalen because you know he's going to be a free agent after this year, so he's going to want to get back on the field as soon as he can. I feel like you know because he he needs to like reclaim his role. And like be able to, you know, do his best to kind of, you know, get playing time and be in a spot where he can try to make, you know, nice money in free agency next year. But if he's thinking about it, maybe a little bit more like patiently and be like, okay, but I don't want to rush out and get on the field and not get healthy. And then I'm kind of struggling with injuries all year. And then I'm going to go into free agency and then my value is going to be really low. So maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, he's in a spot where like he thinks it could make sense to wait. And, you know, let's we're assuming that the Eagles defensive backs will look good when he's missing time and maybe they will and ideally they would but let's say they don't and all of a sudden like they're struggling and then Jalen's healthy well then he's going to get his job back so I think that's kind of where they're at with him I think he's going to be on the pup list to start the regular season okay and I think that does it for today remember if you are not subscribed hit that subscribe button on whatever app you're listening to this show on or wherever your favorite app is also make sure you leave five stars would be great in Apple Podcasts. leave a funny review if we like it we'll read it out on the show keep an eye out for the next set of shows coming this week here on BGN there's going to be another QB Sco show kind of breaking down the performance 
performances from last week, looking ahead to this this game ahead with Mark Schofield breaking down Josh McCown a little bit more in depth for us. So we'll get his perspective on that. We'll get a new Kiston Solak show where we'll partly talk about some of the upcoming preseason game and then also give a broader view on the Eagles as well. Of course, BGN Radio's all over the place, flying around this feed. Myself and John Stolen is talking with BLG throughout the week as we move towards this third preseason game. So keep an eye out for all of that stuff. And remember, we all we got, we all we need. Fly, Eagles, fly. BGN.